Welcome to another edition of the StayMarried.Florida.com uh, podcast. My name is Christopher Bruce, and I'm a divorce lawyer in North Palm Beach, and I have the pleasure of being here today with Nathan Oliver. He's a uh, licensed mental health counselor in the Palm Beach Gardens area. And uh, today, the subject of our uh, podcast is going to be something that I have a lot of uh, my friends asking about, and that's how to keep the spark alive with your partner uh, once children come into the mix. So uh, welcome to the, the program, Nathan. Thanks for uh, coming. Thanks for having me, Chris. Really looking forward to talking about this subject and appreciate you having me on the show. Um, I'm glad to have you, so I'll, I will ask away. Um, just from your perspective of uh, working with couples, and I know you and your wife uh, both do a lot of couples work, what are some of the challenges that uh, you see people having once uh, children enter uh, their relationship? Well, I think uh, I think there's a lot of different challenges that couples have. I think one of the most important one in terms of big picture challenges would be really finding unique ways to make their marriage a priority and that their spouse always stays number one. Having children, obviously there's a lot of new demands and, and things vying for their attention and their time. And so couples really in different ways can be challenged with making sure that their marriage is still the priority. Um, some other issues that I've seen come up for couples is some conflict that gets added in their extended families. You know, there's a lot of expectations that extended family might have, uh, might have cause couples to move closer to family because uh, they need the support, uh, family opinions on how they should raise their children, um, and not allowing that to create conflict within the marriage uh, based on, you know, how they feel about the children, uh, their grandchildren or, or cousins or all of those dynamics that can come about through extended family. Um, a lot of couples also uh, have a lot of worry about finances and how that's going to affect them. I really, I really try to encourage couples to not allow this to be a big concern initially. Uh, children are not, not that extremely expensive initially. They may, as they get older, um, become more expensive. But the big area here where it does, does hit finances significantly is when maybe some couples are going from a dual income to single income or trying to figure out, you know, how to get back to work. Um, and so that can be an issue for couples. And then finally, um, for couples that have an unexpected pregnancy, and I've worked with a lot of a lot of people that got pregnant on their honeymoon or their first year of marriage. They were not planning on it. They were thinking they're going to wait five years. And it's a real big, especially for them, a real big transition, trying to kind of wrap their head and their mind around, okay, you know, we're, we're going to be jumping into something that we didn't expect. But also, that couples that have three children, four children, and they, and they have an unexpected pregnancy, and just how that kind of coping and dealing with that um, that dynamic within their marriage, and again, staying on the same team, keeping their marriage their priority. Um, so those are some of the issues that I have seen over the years um, with working with couples, some of the challenges that uh, come up when children um, enter the relationship. Now, from uh, your perspective as as a therapist, um, for those people that are listening that haven't had children yet, um, should people be expecting to alter uh, the attention that they pay to their spouse uh, once children come into the picture? Well, I I think the way they got to think about it is, you know, you're definitely going to be you're definitely going to be more tired, more distracted. There's a lot more vying for your attention. I know that. For example, for my wife and I, we 
we have her parents that live close to us, and, and maybe once a month our kids will spend the night. We have two children. They'll spend the night at, at Nana and Poppy's house. And it's just amazing to me when, you know, we wake up the next morning and it's just quiet. And it's like a really loud quiet because it's not what you're used to. And we have great kids. They, you know, they like to get up early and and, and they like to get going. And so just it's interesting to be reminded of what it was like not having kids those one or two days a month um, in that quiet. So you're definitely, there's definitely a lot more vying for your attention. There's, um, you know, a lot more that can be draining you. But at the same time, it doesn't have to alter their attention for each other. They're just new and different ways they have to adjust. They could, that they can be intentional with each other, with each other. So yeah, I mean to answer your question, it will be different, but couples definitely can still create quality and quantity time. It doesn't have to be these short little spurts of time, but they can actually find ways of still creating quantity time with each other, which really, really is important for the health of their marriage. Now, in terms of couples that are are newer to parenting or new to parenting, whether they recently had their first child or adopted a child. Um, do you have any suggestions uh, for these people in terms of dealing with uh, the new changes that, that come about by the uh, the addition to the family? Well, yeah, the, the the first one, which is, I mean, in many ways the most obvious, but often neglected, is just that they communicate with each other their expectations for how it will affect their marriage or how it is affecting their marriage, you know, that they, they would sit down, they'd write out, here's what I expect, here's what I'm thinking we need to have, here's what more experiencing happening and they really have this open communication where they write some things to each other, they sit down and they talk about these things, that they really feel at peace that they are on the same page about how they're going to address issues with raising children, how they're going to be pouring into each other. So just like when I'm working with couples in premarital counseling and they're preparing for marriage, I have them sit down, I have them write out like 20 expectations they have for what life's going to be like once they get married. I also have couples do that when they're about to have children. And, and, and it's a very, very effective thing that I encourage those couples to do. Um, for those who haven't had their child yet, um, we talk about doing what's called a baby moon. It's very popular now. It's like a honeymoon. I know my wife and I did this actually for both of our children that just got away, just the two of us, and kind of had an, a romantic weekend, a couple nights, and really just pouring into the relationship before you start going through, you know, especially with an infant. and you know, the two-hour sleep increments through the night and, you know, all of that, the challenges that come with that, that I really encourage couples, especially new to parenting, to do. Um, actually, going back to the expectations, one of the really important things to talk about is making sure that they get on the same page in terms of how they're going to discipline their children, how they're going to deal with that. And that's yeah. something that couples need to keep checking back in with each other on because it changes as they get older, and each child is different, and they each present very unique and different discipline issues. You have some that are just very easy and compliant, and you have others that are extremely resistant and stubborn, and you have everything in between. And so it's really important for couples to really be on the same page on how they're going to approach discipline. It's also really important for the kids that they have that consistency from their parents. They're going to thrive more in that environment. Um, and then the final thing, this is something that, that uh, my life and I have found very important just for us is that they really seek advice from older couples that they respect. You know, there's there's a lot of people that have that gone before them and done this journey and, and have healthy marriages and have been able to also be really healthy, effective parents. And 
there are some couples that are kind of more isolated in community. They don't have a lot of people they know, and so I encourage them to kind of reach out more to community, but those that do have community around them. Well, we just had a, a little bit of a, a break-off, but you were, you were telling us about uh, trying to reach out to other couples who've um, been there and done that, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, we really encourage couples to reach out to their community. You know, there's a lot of a lot of parents that have kind of done the journey there. Their kids are out of the home now, and they can really share what they found to be help, helpful and, and, and successful, and also can hold them accountable. So I really encourage couples to to do that and seek the advice from older couples. Um, you know, but also staying away from just seeking the advice of their families, unless they're both talking with with each other's families and if they have good relationships with their families, but it needs to start with each other first and then go out from there to their families or to their friends. But they still should seek that advice because that can be really helpful and encouraging and also there's some accountability that they can have through that. Now, I guess when when you and I discussed this interview beforehand as we were planning this, uh, what we kind of agreed to was we wanted to cover you know, how a couple can keep the spark alive in their relationship um, with really children of any age. Um, and I, I guess I got you on the hot seat, so to speak, now, so I'll, I'll guess I'll ask you that. I mean, what are your, your best suggestions for how couples should keep the spark in their relationship uh, uh, going after they have kids? Well, I think, I think what couples really need to keep in mind is um, – this really important statement, and it goes back to one of the first things I said in your first question, but the number one way to love your children is to make your spouse number one. And so, you know, a lot of couples will come in and their marriages are broken and they're falling apart, and the children have become of more importance than their spouse. And many think it should be that way, that the children should come number one, but there's a lot of research that has been done that the children children that thrive the most and, and just emotionally relationally and in society and later in life are ones that grow up and they saw that their parents made each other number one, that their marriage was healthy and thriving. And so couples really need to keep that big picture that if they want to be great parents, and a lot of couples do, they, 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 that, that's a passion of theirs, that their, their focus should be first off and foremost on their spouse. Um, and that's, that's how they create the healthiest environment for their children. So couple ways, uh, some techniques and different things that I encourage couples to try, even just some little things that can be really helpful. Uh, one of them is, is really a mindset so that they start the day, and I encourage people to do this all the time, start the day thinking of how they can serve their spouse. So, you know, first 10 minutes of the morning, you might think that thought, you know what, I want to find a way to serve my spouse today. And with children, there's all kinds of opportunity to do that because there's a lot of need that they have, and in so doing that, you can be serving your spouse by taking care of those needs, but there's also a lot of intentional ways directly to serve your spouse. Um, one of the ways that I encourage couples to to communicate those to each other is doing what's called a care list. And so in a care list, what a couple will do is um, both the husband and the wife will each fill out their own list of minimum of 10 things that their partner can do for them that when they do them, they feel cared for. And so this, this they then give to their partner, and their partner is able to look at that list and choose one a day, one way to care for their partner intentionally. And this takes a lot of the guesswork out of how to care for each other. You know, a lot of times we think, well, if they really love me, they know how to care for me. I shouldn't have to tell them, but that's the wrong mindset. You know, you want to you want your partner to be successful at caring for you because in the end, then you feel cared for, you feel more connected, more vulnerable, and that's going to increase that intimacy in that relationship. So I encourage couples to do a care list, minimum of 10 things, the more the better. 
and make sure those things are not negative things like stop doing this or don't do that, but more positive things like, you know, give me a back rub. Tell me you love me before you get out of bed in the morning. Give me a hug before you go to work. Send me a little note during the day. I mean, things along those lines. They can be, you know, words of affirmation, time spent, physical touch, gifts, anything that lets they feel loved. Um, And in doing this, they're also assuming the best about each other. So if maybe one of their – maybe their partner makes a decision that they wouldn't have made with regards to parenting that before they judge that or or speak out against that, that they first assume the best, that they had their child's best interest in mind and their relationship's best interest in mind. Um, Now back to – there was a question about time, and there's some really important ways that couples make intentional time for each other. Uh, one of them is that they, when they lay their kids down at the end of the day, uh, you know, you may have an hour or two at best, maybe more, before you go to bed. And so I always encourage couples, before you open up the laptop or pull out the phone or the computer or put on the TV or whatever else you're doing, that you sit, sit down on the couch for 10 minutes, at most 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be any more than that. And just sit and make eye contact with each other. Debrief the day a little bit and then talk about what they, what the expectations are for the evening, whatever they may be. This is even a great time if they're expecting to have sex that night, that, that physical intimacy, that they can bring that up so that, that they're communicating about these things and being intentional because it's so easy. There's so many things that can consume their time in addition to having children and distractions that they're being intentional with those, those first 10 minutes of the evening. We also encourage couples to do like what's called a business meeting once a week, like 30 minutes. And it's just to talk about very intentionally the logistics of their life. So things coming up for the weekend, plans that they have, things they're wanting to do in the next few weeks, and people coming over, um, and also any kind of issues with parenting or, or dealing with the children, uh, anything in their marriage they want to talk about, but that they have that time set aside, um, almost like a little mini counseling session called a business meeting. You can talk about all the logistics of life. And the reason we have couples do that because we also encourage couples with children. Now, couples without children, we say go on a date once a week. Couples with children, we understand sometimes it's difficult financially with babysitters and all those things, so we say at least twice a month. And so if they're doing their business meeting, they're able to better successfully do a date night without bringing up all those other topics, but rather just having fun, laughing with each other, having, you know, romantic time. And when they're on their date night, we have them ask a question, and it's called, we call it the date night question, and it's what has it been like to be married to me this week? So couples can really ask each other, you know, in the midst of busyness of life and having children and, and maybe it's a chaotic week with them, you know, they have an opportunity to be empathetic towards each other and having that empathy question, what's it been like to be married to me this week? And finally, on the on the time spent side, um, have couples do at least once a year, preferably twice, they get away for a night or two together. It's just amazing to see when a couple gets away. It's just a hotel. And, you know, living here in South Florida, uh, there's, there's, you don't have to go very far. You can even do what they call a staycation. You just have someone watching your children. And for those that don't have family, that is difficult. But I have a lot of couples that don't have family locally, and they still, they still make it happen. They find a way to have someone that they can even pay to come over and, and get away for a night or two. And they're just really able to relax, spend time with each other, each other kind of have that that romance rekindled within their relationship. And so that's a great way about being intentional in terms of connecting with each other. Couples also need to be very intentional about their sexual relationship. That's a big one that can fall off when children come along. Um, Often wives are not 
feeling that's attractive after being pregnant and delivering a child. A lot more busy, everyone's distracted, and so we really encourage couples. This is an extremely important part of a marriage. We kind of call it the barometer of a relationship. You can predict the weather of the marriage, so to speak, based on how this area is going. And so this is an area where they need to really communicate with each other, like in those 10 minutes like we talked about or in the business meeting. It's like, you know, how are we doing in terms of our intimacy, our connection in that area? And uh, they're careless. They can put things on there for that. Often men, after there are children in, 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 that are entering into the relationship, men are often um, turned off towards sex. They're not, they're not designed that because they're not feeling pursued. They're not feeling as wanted in that area. And so they kind of shut down there. That's what a lot of research has shown what happens with men. Women, on the other hand, uh, they're, they're kind of more shut down there because they're tired. They're more worn down. And it's just kind of last. It's like at the bottom of the list. And so it's a really important area for couples to really be intentional about and make sure that that's healthy, and that's an area that they're that they're communicating about. And two final things on that: that couples would have real strong boundaries with their children, and it's not just making your marriage number one and your and your spouse number one priority, but a lot of couples have their kids with both until they're three, four years old, and you know, it's possible to pretty much have a healthy sex life with that, and and also to have communication. It's you know. The bed I tell couples is for two things, sleep and sex. And you're not going to be sleeping very well if you had a child in the bed and not being able to connect very well. And so we, we really encourage couples. You know, obviously when you have an infant, the infant's going to be in the room for the first several weeks most most commonly. But after that, if you can have them in their own room and really have that degree of separation that, you know, they have that. And also as the children get older, that, you know, a lot of couples make them like their best friends. And we say to couples, you know, you're you're to be a parent not their friend. Now, when they get in their mid-20s and they start getting married and have their own kids, that's where that relationship transitions more to kind of like a friendship, but uh, but not before then. And finally, going back to a point I already made, but really important, we, we really encourage couples to get a mentor couple, someone that's gone before them and walked that road and can encourage them. I know my wife and I, our first two years of marriage, we had a mentor couple just before we had children just to encourage us in marriage, make sure we had a good foundation. You know, they, they were, they'd been married 25 years. They had three daughters that were all grown. And I really encourage couples to seek that out. That community is so important. And, and some couples get that to their families, but most of the time uh, they have to seek that out in other ways. And so that's something that's really important, especially when you're entering into um, parenthood in your marriage. Well, Nathan, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me today, put, putting the time aside out of your, your practice and family for, for this interview. Um, for, for the people listening to this, um, if, if they want to get in touch with you uh, to, to get more advice on their specific situation, um, how should they go about doing that? Um, yeah, well, couples can reach out to us in a couple ways. We have our website. It's olivercounseling.com, and on there, there's a lot of contact information for us, our email. We have a contact form, our phone number. Both my wife and I do counseling. We also have in our office a full, full-time full child play therapist. That's all she does. She works with children eight and younger, and um, so she she's great with that. So if couples have needs in any of those areas, we work with adolescents as well, and uh, majority of what we do is couples counseling now, and so couples can reach out to us. So probably through our website would be the best way to do that. And that's uh, olivercounseling.com? Yeah, olivercounseling.com, and and, and uh, there's also a blog on there just with some great information, helpful tips, you know, 
some of these things I talked about today are on there. So if um, they missed any of those points, they can go back and listen to them on this, or they can look at them on there. And, and we've got some great resources to help just encourage them in, in, a, in a variety of ways. Well, again, Nathan, uh, thank you so much for putting the time aside for this. I really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, Chris. It's been a pleasure, and I really enjoy the opportunity to do this and talk about this. Feel very passionately about this, and it's really, it's really exciting to get to see uh, couples that that are struggling and get to start thriving in this area. And it's also really cool to get to see the children, their their, their children, begin to really blossom in the midst of that as well. For more information about StayMarriedFlorida.com, uh, go right to the website www.StayMarriedFlorida.com. To reach divorce and family law attorney Christopher Bruce, call 561-844-1200 or email him at cbruce at nugentlawfirm.com.